there's a time and a place to be salesy. Everyone knows you're trying to sell to them. So there's no reason to try to hide it. But at the same time, I am really big on just, again, having a reason to show up. So at least try to make it interesting for them and try to have there be something they can take away from the email besides just the product you're selling. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Kyle Stout, and he's the founder of Elevate and Scale, a leading digital marketing agency that helps seven-figure product-based entrepreneurs elevate their brand and scale their growth. Kyle is an authority on how leveraging email marketing can vastly increase revenue by improving customer retention, increasing average order value, and driving repeat purchases. And he started his career in digital marketing back in 2013 as a freelance copywriter, where he honed his skills in brand storytelling and email marketing. He started Elevate and Scale in 2019, specializing in email marketing and e-commerce for businesses. You're in for a treat. Oh my gosh, he has dropped so many good nuggets that you're going to want to continue listening. But before then, it's time for our Marketing Essentials Moment the basics that you need to help you build your brand and your bottom line. In this week's topic, I want to talk about culture and branding. Branding starts from the inside out with your employees, the people that you work with every day who are a part of your brand. And ideally, they would be in alignment with your brand and they vice versa. They choose to work for you and your company because they're in alignment with their ideals. So thinking about who you hire, how you hire, what values you bring, and how you can use those to your advantage when you're hiring and using employer and employee marketing. So thinking about how you can position yourself when you are trying to recruit new employees. It's all about marketing too. So this is a journey that we all have to consider. And if you haven't quite hired people yet, this is something that you can uh, think about and consider when you want to hire your first hire or if you're about to bring on somebody new, what kinds of values do they have? How do they live up to those values? What kind of stories can they share with you when they tell you about their values and asking those culture questions when you wanna hire that next person that's gonna work for you and represent you inside and outside of the company, internally and externally. And I like to call our people our new shareholders. Not necessarily the sense of shareholders in a company that you could traditionally think of shareholders, right? No, no, no. These are our new shareholders because they're the ones who have the power to share. They hold the power to share about your brand, to share with others that they might want to recommend that you hire too. Sometimes our greatest asset and our best referrals come from our own people who then want to recommend other people that they think would be a good culture fit and be able to help you represent your brand and tell that story to others. So think about when you want to continuously build your culture, continuously cultivate that culture, because it's going to build whether you want it to or not. So if you have some input on how you want your culture to be perceived and lived, right, how you can continuously keep that in the forefront of everyone's mind, the values that you live. We went through a whole process of creating our Pepper Shock principles and ensuring that when we are hiring our next hire, 
that they fit within those principles, those values that we seek and and make sure that are a part of what we want it to be. Now, if the people that you are looking through job interviews and stacks of resumes, getting through that, if you can hire based on the values that you have, then you're going to be able to help hopefully narrow down some of the people that you would want to attract to your company to work for. And then think about the people that they're going to represent. If they're going to work with your clients, would you want them working for your clients with your clients, right? Are they going to uphold that brand story and be the type of person that you want to come through your door? And so thinking about culture and branding together and how they work synonymously together. And then being able to have your employees as your shareholders tell that story out on their social media. We get so much more engagement when our own employees share from the company or share about what's going on. And we get a lot of traction and likes and comments and shares when we share about our own staff. And people know that faces are always a big component to being able to get more engagement. So showing your people in action, featuring them, you know, celebrating with them, celebrations, appreciations, successes, workversaries, we call it work anniversaries, but we like to call it workversaries. When we have people with us for 5, 10, 15 years, we always do amazing things to celebrate and appreciate them. And we want the whole world to know about it, right? We want to share that we have loyal pepper shockers who want to work with us. So I encourage you in your own company culture, look at how you are sharing that brand story with your potential new employees that you want to recruit and how your employees who already work for you, are they your shareholders? Are they going out and sharing on their own socials? And if not, how come? Why not? Is it something that they just don't want to? Are they embarrassed by sharing that they work for you? If so, then we've got a major problem and a misalignment, right? So think about how you can encourage them to share about your stories and about them and their celebrations and appreciations and all the things that you can do to showcase and kind of show off your brand personality through your people. All right. Let's get into the interview with Kyle. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition community. And I'm so excited to have Kyle as my guest today. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So tell us a little bit more about you, sort of how you got started into what you're doing now and, and just share what was, uh, what, what kind of made you want to do copywriting and all the things that you've been doing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I'm the founder of Elevate and Scale. We're an email marketing agency, but I, I started out as a freelance copywriter back in 2013. And originally I was just taking on any project I could get, I was doing a lot of sales copy for people's websites, for their emails, um, landing pages, that kind of stuff. And the one area where I would consistently see the best results and also just what I seemed to enjoy the most was with email marketing. So then later in 2019, when I started my business, I knew that, okay, this is what I want to specialize in um, because it's something I enjoy. And I had attempted in the past to offer you know, multiple services where um, I I just didn't know those other services as well. So I knew that I really wanted to niche down and just focus on this one area where I've been able to see a lot of success with clients. 
Hey, that's what they say. Niches are mean riches, right? Niches mean riches. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. So I, I want to know, I mean, because email is so tricky these days because we all get so many emails. I want to know some tactics and maybe you can go into depth on how you have been able to be so successful with email marketing and, and some things that you've learned along the way. Okay. So, I mean, it starts with your strategy. So a lot of times companies, they either just don't really know what to do with their email marketing or they haven't really given it enough thought. I think people tend to take it for granted because it's always been there. It's not as new and exciting as all the different social media platforms. So a lot of times people fall into the habit of just doing like a weekly newsletter or a monthly newsletter or something like that. Um, and that's fine. And it's better than nothing. But what I would say is the first place to start where a lot of businesses are neglecting would be with your segmentation. So actually the first place to start would be with your automation if you haven't done that yet. So first we need to separate email marketing into two categories. You have your automation. So all the emails that you've built out that just go out automatically based on actions people are taking. And then you have your emails you send out. So those might be called campaigns or broadcasts, whatever software you're using. We usually call them campaigns. Mm -hmm. So with the ongoing email marketing you're doing when you're sending campaigns out, one common mistake people make is they're sending every email to everyone on their list. And an easy way to make your emails a lot more relatable to the people you're sending them to is to create segments based on um, product interest, purchase history, uh, their level of engagement. You can even make create segments based around demographics or location. Sometimes those things are, are relevant to your business. And so now when you're creating the content for that email, now you have a starting place of where you can have a conversation starter or take an angle for the content of that email that's that caters more to that group of people. So that's going to make it more enjoyable for them to receive those emails and also make it where they're more likely to buy. Right. Yeah. I think um, you, you really hit that pretty good where it's making sure that they're getting the emails that they want to receive, that it's the segment of who they are and they're, you, you, the audience that you're going after is, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely in, in marketing in general, we want to make sure that we're hitting our target audience. But tell me some of the things that you do to, to, to segment out how you go about it and like how you track it, how you measure it, how it all becomes, you know, just part of what you offer for what you do for your clients. Yeah. So when you're starting out, let's just say you don't have a very big list, you're probably not going to be doing as much segmentation, to be honest, because if you have a, you know, a segment that's only got 50 people or a hundred people, unless you're selling something that's really high ticket, it's probably not worth the effort and, and money involved to, you know, create emails for those really small segments. So mm -hmm. starting out the, the first place that anyone can get started would be engagement based segments. So you can call these something like a 14-day engagement group, a 30-day, 60-day, and so on. You can go on to these different timeframes. And what that means is that the people in that group, and you can define how you, um, how, you know, what they have to do to be quote-unquote engaged. But what we typically do is, um, let's call it a 30-day engaged group. That means that that person has opened an email, clicked an email, or visited the site in the last 30 days. And then you can build out these different groups based on different timeframes going out to, I mean, as far as you want, but 
we typically are focusing mostly on the 14 through 60 day engagement groups. Mm -hmm. And then the, the less engaged people, we just don't email as often. So the thinking there is that the people who are more engaged, they want to get more emails from you. And the people who are less engaged, well, the reason why they're in that segment is because they haven't engaged with anything you've sent them in, in a long time. So they don't want to get as much from you. So if you keep emailing them and you're getting those that poor engagement feedback in the inbox, Gmail and all the other inboxes see that, and that will hurt your email deliverability if you just if you keep emailing to them and those people continue to not open and not click. And then so now your emails are more likely to go into the promotions tab and more likely to go into spam for all the people who likely would want to get your emails. So that's the, the foundational place to start. And then you can also build them out um, for product interests. So people who have visited a particular product page, uh, people who have purchased products. Uh, one common one that I like to use a lot would be customer lifecycle segments. So creating segments of based around, I call it leads. So people who have never purchased uh, one-time customers, repeat customers, that might be people who have done like, who have uh, bought two to three times. Mm -hmm. And then VIP customers, which could be like four plus purchases. Again, you can change these rules based on your business and your preferences. And what we'll do is every month, you in the email marketing platform we primarily use, which is Klaviyo, you can generate these engagement reports on those different segments. And that will allow you to see not only engagement such as open rates, click rates, all of that, um, but also average order value for those segments. Mm -hmm. So our goal over time is to continue to move people down the line from leads into those VIP segments. And then to also, you know, we're looking at this average order value. So that helps us gauge which types of offers should we be sending to these different segments? Because sometimes you'll find that with some businesses, for example, their VIPs might have a much lower average order value than their one-time customers, which kind of goes against what you would, what you might think. So that tells you, oh, okay, you know what? We, we don't have to be afraid to send them some of our bigger offers up front. And what might happen over time is that as they become a VIP, having made a bunch of purchases, they've likely been around for every time you've done some kind of uh, sale or promotion. And the VIP is more likely to have jumped on all of those deals. Mm -hmm. So maybe their average order value has gone down over time, but their lifetime value has gone up. Oh man. I just love being able to uh, know that you can have all of this data at your fingertips and understand exactly what they're doing and when they're doing it and how they're converting and and all of that. I mean, it's different now than it was, you know, 20 years ago because we didn't have all of the tools that we have. But let's talk about technology and, and the tools that you're using. Uh, you mentioned Clavio, right? And and I mean, what are what are some things that you really like about it? And and what are some maybe other tools that you've used or introduced and and have experienced that you think, oh yeah, definitely. If you're getting started with this, you should, you should use these tools and here's why. I don't know. You tell me more. <laughs> okay. So in the past I've used, well, I've really used a, a bunch of them, but some of them I wouldn't necessarily recommend. Um, I, I know the go-to that if, if you were just to Google, like what's a good beginner email marketing platform, you're going to find MailChimp. And I would honestly say, don't go, <laughs> go that route just because you're going to be very limited yeah. You're going to have to end up moving to a different platform. Um, it is a lot cheaper, but there are some better options around that similar price point. Mm -hmm. um, 
a couple of other tools that we've used that have done really well have been HubSpot and ActiveCampaign. HubSpot is great, especially for B2B businesses, but you are looking at a higher investment. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's, you're going to get the most value out of it. If you're really taking advantage of the full package, the different, you know, they have a different marketing suite. I'm not sure what the, what their offers are today. Mm -hmm. Active campaign is great because it's, so it's not going to cost as much as HubSpot. It's not so much of a, of a huge commitment, but it does give you a lot more advanced features that you wouldn't get with a tool such as MailChimp. So you're going to be able to do segmentation. You're going to be able to create a bunch of different automations where you have rules where if someone does something in this email from this automation, then they can leave that automation and now go into a different automation. Or if you send an email out the same email, you can have elements of that email that only show to this group of people. And there's another element of this. So, you know, let's just say, for example, you have um, an offer for maybe you're, maybe you're a SaaS business mm-hmm. and you're sending an email out to two different tiers of people and there's a promotional banner at the bottom. Well, the people who are already in that particular uh, tier, you wouldn't want to send them an, uh, an offer for that tier. You could send them an offer to the higher tier. Mm-hmm. And then the people who are uh, maybe not in a, uh, that, that same tier, they would get the other one. So it has a lot of cool features like that. The one that we use primarily just because we're working mostly with e-com businesses these days is Clavio. Mm-hmm. And Clavio, they do advertise themselves as being for everyone and not just for e-com. But again, it's you kind of find that when you get into these, these different software that mm-hmm. they all try to appeal to everyone. But really, if you look at how they're built and how they work, you kind of find where their strengths are. And with them, their integration is so good with Shopify, which is what most business e-com businesses are using. They're using Shopify or WooCommerce or BigCommerce, mm-hmm. and it works well with, with both of those. Um, and that's what allows you to do a lot of the automated flows based around the products that, that people are looking at on a website, their purchase history. It also has some unique... Uh, abilities to predict things about people because Clavio has such a huge user base. Mm-hmm. They don't really reveal how they get this information, but they're able to, first of all, they can predict people's gender pretty accurately. So if you're the type of business where it makes sense to segment people and send them offers based on that, that's, uh, that's something that's kind of interesting. So you don't have to actually collect that information from them. But then there's uh, other things where they can they can predict when people are more likely to make a purchase again if they haven't made a purchase in a while. And we sometimes will set up flows based around that and they, they do really well. Wow. And they have some other things like that. But the, the big thing is that being able to create automations to really optimize your sales process in Shopify um, and also to just have really good data of what's going on with your customers that transfers back and forth between Clavio and Shopify. That's where we think that Clavio really shines. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's just, I think, pretty easy to use if you have, if you've had some experience with these types of software before. There's definitely a learning curve the very first mm-hmm. time you get into any of these types of software. But once you've been involved with at least one, I think Clavio is one of the more user-friendly ones. Nice. Have you heard of Benchmark One? Formerly, I think they were Hatchbuck and then they combined together. Have you ever used that one before? Huh. Okay. It's one that we started using not too long ago and so far so good. I mean, there's we're, we're learning. I mean, any of these have learning curves, but 
definitely one I would not want to do ever again is Infusionsoft. It's too too much. <laughs> it's confusion <Yeah>. soft. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you yeah. feel that same way. And I'm sorry oh, if anyone yeah. else, uh, you know, if the infusion soft people are listening, but <laughs> it needs to be a lot less complicated to me anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, I've never liked that one. I, I don't ever recommend it to people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad we're on the same page. Benchmark One, it's an email marketing automation and CRM software that saves you time. It has drip campaigns, autoresponders, built-in email marketing tools, landing pages, pop-ups that help you really create that stellar buying experience with your customers. You can really simplify and get back to doing what you do best, running your own business. So email marketing is not a new concept, but if you haven't found one that works for you, give Benchmark One a try. Go to peppershock.com slash offers and select the link there. Okay, can you walk me through a, a, a client example? Just, you know, some of the things that you've done. I mean, copywriting such a big, you know, subject lines and, and you know, how long is too long of an email or short, you know, just give me some examples with, you know, if you, obviously you don't have to use names or anything, but kind of walk me through how you, how you went about helping them and some of the tactics that you took and maybe some of the, you know, even just the subject line that you used that was so attractive that actually worked really well. So uh, subject lines, uh, while they are important, open rates have been inflated ever since the iOS changes. Mm. Um, and what I have found to be most consistent as far as getting good engagement with your emails and open rates is not so much about the subject lines. And the reason why is because there are, there are some, I can tell you some tactical things you can do with subject lines to increase opens, but it won't have an impact on clicks and purchases as much as you would think, even though you're getting more eyeballs on the email, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times the things you're doing to, it's almost like you're tricking them into opening. So if you use their first name in the email or sorry, in the subject line, you're going to get higher opens. So, but we, but again, you don't want to do this with every single email. These are things that you just want to, you want to throw them in there. So if you're in the middle of a series, like uh, some sort of promotional series, I like to do some of these little tricks towards the end when you're just trying to like maximize everything. And, mm-hmm. and also it's just, if people have shown interest in this, in this particular offer and they haven't purchased yet, it's a great way to um, even get, just get their attention a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So subject lines that are short that are curiosity driven. If you use their, their first name, um, anything that, that uses urgency, those are, those are all great for getting opens. Uh, emojis do really well these days. So maybe not for necessarily every single brand, but you know, uh, just something short. That's just like, did you see this first name question mark? And then the eyeballs emoji or some other emoji that kind of expresses either how you're trying to get their attention or what's in the email, mm-hmm. those kind of things, because it, it doesn't seem like it, there's just not enough there where they it's, it's curiosity driving. Like they have to click like, okay, what, what, what are you talking about? You know? So not giving away too much in the subject line. That that's a big thing, but that's, that's not really where we've seen the biggest lift for what we've done for our clients. So what I would say that has the biggest impact on open rates is actually just nailing down um, segmentation and then matching the content in the email to that segment. And what's going to happen is it depends on what that business has been doing up to this point. So if they haven't really been doing too much email marketing yet, and we start doing weekly emails, 
there's going to be a little bit of a, a kind of a shock to the system at first. So some people don't, they're like, oh, hold on now. You haven't emailed me in six months. And all of a sudden it's, I'm getting an email a week and some people don't like it. Some people do like it. So there's a, so the metrics kind of are, are kind of all over the place for those first few emails. And then it starts to, to stabilize. And what you'll find is your open rates over the long term. So again, you can do a little trick here and there mm-hmm. to maximize open rates today. But if you want to have good open rates for you know this month, next month, and the month after, it's really about giving people emails that they want to open. And they're going to open regardless of what the subject line is. That, that's a big, that, that's the thing I've noticed the most when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. But to give you some examples of some uh, areas where we've been able to come in and have success with a new business or with a, a new client of ours, mm-hmm. the first place I look at is the sales process. So looking at the step-by-step process someone has to take to go from not, maybe not even knowing your brand at all to being a customer. Because most businesses are already doing top of funnel marketing, whether that's social media, SEO, um, you know, running ads, whatever. And those things tend to take up the most of our time and effort and money. And what's happening is you have people who are actively in your sales process right now, and you're just not getting as many sales from them as you could. So you're not getting as high of an ROI as you could from that top of funnel marketing investment. So -hmm. that's really where we can take a business where their email marketing might only be, you know, 5%, 10% of their total revenue and get it up to 25, 35% of their total revenue within a month or two, which mm. sounds crazy, but it's because there was just, they had a, they had a leaky bucket. They just had a lot of holes in their sales process because they didn't, either they didn't have any follow-up in built into their sales process or they just didn't have very much, you know, maybe they only had like um, a couple of welcome emails and then maybe a thank you email after someone buys, but they weren't looking at the step-by-step of it's going to depend on your business, but for an e-commerce business, someone visits your site, then they go to a product page and they add their product to cart. Then they initiate the checkout. Well, every single step of that process, you can actually have an automated email that bumps them along to the next step of the sales process. So if you're it's just, you know, it just comes down to math. It's just a certain percentage of people that will convert by you adding that little bump at every step. Um, mm-hmm. And that adds up to a lot of extra revenue. No, that's great. And, you know, let's talk a little bit more about the new iOS update and these privacy settings and, you know, cookies everywhere. And and I'm not talking about the kind you'd get to eat, but, you know, there's just a lot going on. And, and I know that, Email has always been a little tricky and a little gray in obtaining lists and then having, you know, opt-ins or opt-outs and double opt-ins and all these things. I want to know, how do you navigate this new world that we're in? So it hasn't had as much of an, as a negative impact as, as people make it out to be. Um, I think it's really hit the paid media side way harder than it's hit email. Um, and then, yeah, if you're following best practice, so for one thing is that we, we don't ever, we don't ever acquire, I never recommend anyone to acquire lists randomly. I really think that you should, yes, it's hard um, mm-hmm. to get started, but you should be building up your own list where, where people are, are opting in and they know what they're opting into. So uh, that means you need to have a good offer to get people into your list in the first place. So whether that's with, with e-commerce businesses, the most common thing is, 
just a free uh, so, or some kind of coupon code to so a discount off their first purchase. And that's a great way to help get that impulse buy for that first purchase from, from that person. Mm-hmm. With B2B, it's going to be, it's usually going to be some sort of resource, or maybe you collect their email as part of them getting on the first consultation call, something like that. And then now you can follow up with them. Um, but again, you want to have them opt in and know what they're opting into. And then what's happening more, not even just with the iOS updates, but also the inboxes themselves, all, all these different platforms are, are making changes and they're all kind of battling with each other right now. But yeah. more so than just the privacy part, a big thing that's happening is the inboxes are getting very sensitive to engagement. So if people aren't opening and clicking, the inboxes are so much faster to try to blacklist your emails and just not send them to as many people as they would have in the past. And so I think that's, and what that does is that's harming your email deliverability. So that's where uh, we're seeing more of an issue of that than we are from with iOS. Mm-hmm. With iOS, the, the big thing, the, the most prominent impact that we've seen is inflated open rates to where now, and what we can do is sometimes we'll isolate the iOS people from people who open on other devices to try to see, okay, what are the true open rates if we take, if we take out the iOS people? Um, sometimes that can be useful. Other times it depends on your customer base and how many of them are iOS people um, to kind of help you, you know, gauge that. But so part of that is why we just don't really pat ourselves on the back for high open rates anymore because the open rates are inflated. And the big concern beyond privacy is really just making sure that we're getting good engagement and we're, we have good email deliverability. That's the the key is not just deliverability, but open rate and getting them to do something, the action that you want them to do and and to to make that happen and and just getting through all the clutter. I think that's the difficult thing that we're always running into now is is we're inundated with so many things and so many emails. I mean, my inbox is, is, is insane. It's just got so much in it. So having that, the right message at the right time and, and, you know, using the right copy to get there. So, so let's talk a little bit more about the copy in the body of the emails. What have you seen? I mean, I guess it probably work, works differently for, for every segment, but it, kind of from a universal perspective, what have you seen that, that tends to work? Short emails, long emails, do you include an image? Do you include multiple images? What kind of images? Just tell me more about kind of the, the messaging that you're getting out there that seems to be working really well. Okay, so with e- e-commerce, we do typically use very uh, image-heavy emails. With B2B, you really don't, don't need, you can either go no images at all and just be, and do plain text, or you can keep it a very conservative image email where it's like maybe you have a nice logo header, maybe you have a nice graphical footer, and it's all um, text in the body. So there's more emphasis on the copy. And that's just, you know, again, the offers are different and the customer is different. In the B2B space, it's like they're kind of in on the game with you. They, it's because it's business to business marketing. It's a little different. Um, also, e-commerce buyers are very, they're very image driven, which is why e-com does so well on platforms like Instagram. So that's what we do with that. With the content of the email, the big thing is I like to just have a conversation starter. So, and the length of the email, we don't necessarily limit or we don't necessarily go into it thinking, is this going to be a short or a long email with most of the emails, unless it's 
you know, if it's an abandoned checkout email or a browse abandonment email, something like that, where you're just trying to nudge them along, those tend to be shorter. But a lot of the campaigns we're sending out um, on a regular basis, trying to sell products, I like to have a conversation starter. So it could be something like, so say, for example, if, if you're selling dog products, you can connect to the season. So let's just say we're in a month where dog allergies are flaring up. So you can, you can have that be a conversation starter where you're talking about that in the email and then you connect it to the product you're selling. Um, or another thing could be something we do, we like to do is a myth busting. So mm. we did one on leading up to Valentine's Day this year with a client of ours that sells roses, where we talked about how, you know, everyone thinks that you're supposed to buy red roses for Valentine's Day. But the truth is, most women actually prefer pink and yellow roses. And so that's, you know, obviously, we're trying to sell roses, they know we're trying to sell roses. But the content, just because we have a conversation starter, there's something there that's interesting or entertaining or educational. That's what makes it where people actually enjoy getting the emails. And even if they don't buy today, they don't make the mental decision to start ignoring your emails today either. So that's the big thing is I just like to always, I call it having a reason to show up in their inbox. Because like you said, we're constantly getting emails from everyone a lot of them just feels like people or feels like the email is just asking and not really offering up much in return. But if there's something in there where I've learned something or, or it was at least interesting in some way, even if I'm not buying, I'm not upset. It wasn't a waste of my time to have opened the email. And that's, it, that's really at the most simple base. Like that's what you need to do is have a conversation starter and then you just tie it into the product at the end of the email. So if that's if that can be accomplished in one paragraph, that's fine. If if it takes you know two or three paragraphs, and as long as you're not you know wasting space with your copy and and you're making sure that the copy you have is impactful, but you just needed to use that much copy to really get the point across. Because a lot of times with educational emails, you just have to give them a little bit more information to really get the point across. And that email is going to be a little longer and that's usually okay. We, we find that email length has less of an impact on performance than the actual content or what's being said in the email. Thank you for sharing that part. I think that's what people have to get. Just practice and try and, and reiterate and understand what's going to work and what's not, right? I mean, it's, it's an ever-evolving long-term goal and just continuing to, to test it out and test it out and test it out, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nonstop testing. And that's a big thing is so, so like if people are, if they haven't done email marketing, a lot of times it's like, you get this idea in your head, you send out one email and you think that the reaction you get to that email is just the end all be all. Like you think that that's how, so let's just say the email doesn't really do very well. And you think, Oh, well, I guess I'm just not good at this. Or I guess my, my list, they just, they don't like my emails or, you know, whatever. You can't really make a, a judgment off of the first few emails you send. It's something where you send an email out, you look at how it performed, you look at the engagement, and then you think, okay, well, that didn't work. So let me try something different. And what's going to happen is if you do that for a month, if you can commit to at least one email a week, depending on your business, maybe two emails a week, you're going to, the more you can get that feedback and you can make adjustments, the quicker you will get to where now you have it's pretty consistent. You kind of, you know that certain, let's just say you've got 10 products, but you know that there's these three or these five that tend to always do well. These others are kind of hit or miss. That's one factor. 
you have certain segments where you just know like, okay, we've sent enough times to these different segments where these segments tend to perform better and these don't. And it's just a matter of paying it, you know, actually tracking that performance, paying attention to it. And like you said, just having that mindset of being, of knowing that everything is a test. You're, you're not just going to do email marketing for six months and stop forever. This is going to be for as long as you have your business, you're going to be continually doing this. So it's always, everything in marketing is always testing. It's always just trying to get better and trying to improve and trying to learn from what you did previously. And then it sounds kind of daunting at first, but the time goes by quickly. Like <laughs> You know, yeah. every year we... Yeah. The, the time goes by quickly. So if you just look back in the last six months, if you haven't been doing email marketing and I mean, that's six months of data you don't have. So if you just get started today, next thing you know, it will be a year later and you will be so much better than you are now. Absolutely. Okay. So real quick, let's talk about some of the things that you should never do because you mentioned earlier about, you know, we don't want to get blacklisted. So, so as we're testing, here's maybe if you could give us some things that we should avoid when we're doing email marketing, what, what do you think? Okay. In general, I would say don't send every email to everyone on your list. You at least, um, at least exclude some of those people who are really unengaged, you know, like if they haven't engaged at all in the last year, um, even six months out, because here's the thing, you can have automation set up to try to re-engage those people. So they're, they're not just totally lost. Um, and those emails are crafted in a way to try to win them back. So you can have, um, you can, and you got, you can Google this. If you want to learn more, you can look up like a customer win back flow, mm -hmm. um, or, uh, a sunset unengaged flow. Those are, those are terms you can Google and you'll find resources about that. And those will help re-engage those people. So they're not totally lost. They're not being totally ignored, but you're also not taking the hit to your engagement with the email inboxes that's going to harm your performance across the board. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. A lot of times, you know, again, people just don't, they just don't, they just didn't know, right? It's like, they thought, Oh, I have this list. I've put a lot of work into building up this list. I want to send to everyone. And it, it kind of makes logical sense, but you're a lot of times you're doing more harm than good to yourself by doing that, by sending to everyone with every email. Mm -hmm. um, another one is um, being too salesy. You know, it's like, there's a time and a place to be salesy. Everyone knows you're trying to sell to them. So there's no reason to try to hide it. But at the same time, I am really big on just, again, having a reason to show up. So at least try to make it interesting for them and try to have there be something they can take away from the email besides just the product you're selling. And again, it's not that you can't ever do those salesy emails. There's definitely a time and a place. And there are a lot of people who love shopping. So it's not always bad, but just don't do it every time. And then email frequency is a, is a big mistake or a big area where people, they get it wrong and it works both ways. Some businesses are sending way too frequently and they're not paying attention to what's happening with unsubscribes and with spam, spam rates. And what's happening is they don't realize it yet, but they're losing more people than they're gaining on their list. And while, and because the heavy volume of sending is keeping revenue afloat with their email, they don't, they're not noticing that, but what happen is that will catch up over time to where all of a sudden revenue starts dipping because you were losing more people than you were gaining. Mm. And yeah. And now all of a sudden it becomes a problem because not only are you starting to lose money or you're just not making as much on this, this particular sales channel, but you're doing damage to it, to mm -hmm. your email deliverability to where 
now you're limiting your potential in the future. And it's, you, you can, you can reverse it, but you're going to have to dig yourself out of the hole. It's not a fun process to go through. (laughs) Then on the other side, a lot of businesses surprisingly don't send frequently enough. Mm. Like they're only sending once a month uh, Mm. and they should be sending weekly or they're only sending once a week and they could be sending two to three times a week. Mm. So, and the more you put some thought into who you're selling to, as opposed to what you're selling. And you really take that approach when you're creating the content and you're trying to make these emails educating or or inspirational or just fun in any way, uh, the more you can get away with sending more and you're going to generate a lot more revenue from your email marketing. There's a word for that, edutainment. (laughs) (laughs) To make it educating and entertaining. Thank you so, so much, Kyle, for all of this wisdom that you dropped today. Oh, my gosh. How do people uh, find out more from you or if uh, they want to, you know, look into what you can do for them? How can they get a a hold of you? Yeah, so you can find me anywhere online at at Elevate and Scale. Um, I also have a checklist, a free download checklist that I've created that it's called Win Before You Send. So if you go to winbeforeyousend.com. This will checklist will take you through everything you need to do whenever um, you're sending campaigns. So setting them up, doing all of your quality control. So it's going to help you send campaigns that generate more sales and get better engagement, save time. Um, and also it's just a step-by-step process that you or anyone on your team can follow. Um, and yeah, from there, you can just get more information uh, either on my site or social media. And then you'll get the email address and then you'll get to send to them (laughs) the win before you send. (laughs) It's an email carrot, right? I love it. I love it. (laughs) And then you get something in value and then you get to capture an email. I I think that's the organic way to build a list. And then people will get what they want from you. Excellent. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is not not everyone wants to hire Mm -hmm. uh, a team to manage their email and and that's totally fine. So I, I like to put up... I have a YouTube channel. I like to put out resources just to, just to help people. Cause uh, well, for one, it's just, it's just fun, but you know, a lot of times those, those businesses will evolve and they will need to hire people and, and hopefully I've earned their trust by then. Be there when they're ready. Yep. Absolutely. It's a do it yourself done with you or done for you, right? There's, there's the level of business that can be done. So thank you again, Kyle, and just uh, great information. And for those of you listening, uh, the best thing that you can do for us is give us a review on this um, podcast and then share it with others that you know that need to hear what Kyle had to say today. Right, Kyle? Yeah, yes, please do. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Again, uh, for those of you here, thank you. And uh, until next time, everybody, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.